0: Listening to Rattle and Pedal, Diversion Thoughts on Marketing and Growing Professional Services Firms. Your hosts are Jason Malicki and Jeff McKay.
1: Jeff, I have some exciting news to share today. You want to hear it? Always. Always. This is our anniversary episode. Do you realize it? Whoa. Well, happy happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. This episode is scheduled, at least as of recording, to publish 364 days since episode one. Congratulations. You survived a whole year with me.
2: Do I get an award for that?
1: (laughs) I don't know what it would be. Krispy Kreme donut, maybe. Maybe we
2: should give the award to our listeners that have stuck with us (laughs) for 365 days.
1: (laughs) Or 364. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Maybe that's when the warranty runs out on day 366. I gotcha. So does that mean
2: we're going to continue this or is this going to be our last episode?
1: You know... I haven't talked about it. I don't know. I think we're going to continue, aren't we?
2: Well, I I want to keep continuing.
1: What's your point of view on whether or not we should continue?
2: We should continue. And I think many of our listeners would say that exact same thing because they have the option to turn us
1: off. So before they do that. Let's talk about (laughs) what we're going to talk about today. So uh, that was a little bit of a segue. We're going to talk about point of view and the importance of having one. So what firm needs a compelling point of view, what a compelling point of view looks like, and then we'll maybe share some thoughts on how to go about creating one if you feel like your firm is lacking one. So where do you want to start? We're talking firm point of view, not my personal point of view. God, I hope so. Because if it's your personal point of view, it's going to be really painful.
2: Okay, are we getting into politics and religion? And-
1: <laughs> I think we're talking about firm point of view, yes. So I don't, I don't think we want to cross into politics and religion unless, aren't those the two things they say never to talk about at dinner? So If anyone's yeah. listening to this over dinner, then we would just ruin their meal.
2: Marketing ruins everything. All right, let's jump in.
1: Actually, the question I thought you were going to ask, are we talking about firm point of view or practice point of view? I think that's a little bit irrelevant in in a way. It's going to sound crazy, but I think it could be either or because the idea of having a compelling point of view tied to a practice or tied to a firm, the mindset on that, the process for that, I would argue is very similar. It just might be a little harder in a diversified firm to develop a compelling point of view for the whole firm. That's a good point.
2: I've been in firms where even the personal views within practices differ. Yeah. And the firm puts out conflicting messages about how to address a particular issue. And the practice is fighting within itself.
1: Well, that's a great point because I actually think that that is one element of a strong point of view is that it should unify the practice, right? Everyone in the practice should agree that this is our point of view as it relates to the marketplace. And it's what we're going to lead with in terms of talking about our practice or talking about our firm. To us, that's one of the central elements of a point of view is that it's, it's the thing you lead with to describe how you see the world. And if you're not in agreement, that would be a major problem.
2: Yes, it would.
1: When we talk about point of view, we talk about there's a couple of ways we talk about it. One thing we'll say is that it's it's sort of the why should I hire you? You know, so if the client is trying to understand the firm, it's why they should hire them, or it's or it's sort of a, a statement of why you do what you do, or how you see the world for what you do. It's the central idea that I like to say attracts and repels clients. So it's the things that draws clients to you that are philosophically aligned with you that will make them want to work with your firm or with your practice. And it's also that idea that repels them. The one that people are going to reject and say, oh, I don't agree with that. I probably would not want to work with that firm. And that's okay, because that's where compelling point of view exists is in you know concepts, ideas that will both attract and repel.
2: You've just made lots of people uncomfortable by saying that.
1: Oh, good. That's my favorite thing to do.
2: Because... You know, firms don't want to alienate anybody because they don't want to turn away business. And what you just described as having a clear point of view is going to turn away business. Yep. And that is the first key point of the purpose of a point of view is to turn away business. And you highlighted something I think is spot on. and, And one of the favorite, my favorite things from Seth Godin recently and I don't know if he discussed this in tribes or where he said it, but I heard him speak, and he said it in his his presentation that you know your marketing message needs to be people like us do things like this, and it's really built out of you know the philosophical worldview that you said, but also how we see ourselves, and we're not trying to convince people with our point of view to see the world from our point of view because it will never. Or very seldom happen. Just look at our political world. Spend a few minutes on Facebook.
1: <laughs> That's a great, interesting analogy, though. But let me pause you for a second. Think about it for a second. We live in a, in a world with two polarized political parties in the States, right? Mm-hmm. And they're both at philosophical odds with each other a lot. Now, if you actually look at the policies underlying what they actually do, they actually probably agree 80, 90% of the time, but it's that 10% of stuff on the margin that they are philosophically you know, fighting over all the time. Now, do you ever hear you know, a Republican leader or a Democratic leader say, well, you know, we're really not appealing to the other 45% of the marketplace. We really got to water down that point of view we have uh, entitlements. We need to water down our position on that wall, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They never do that, do they? Yet, to your point, firms all the time will water down everything in an attempt to appeal to 100% of the market instead of slicing off 45 or 20% or 30% of the market. In really philosophically aligning with those folks. So why is it so easy for it to happen in maybe the biggest game there is, running for you know leader of the free world? Yet we can't make it happen in a practice. You said we weren't going to talk about politics. Well, but you kind of you kind of made me though. It's just right there.
2: <laughs> I would argue there are big philosophical difference between. The political parties. And there's very distinct worldviews and that there's not agreement around that 80 or 90 percent. And that most of the messaging, particularly around election time, is directed at those people that are in the middle that really don't have strong convictions one way or the other around a given topic, that they have to make a decision between two extremes. So the messages that come to them are more measured and segmented. And we talked a little bit about that in Marketing Ruins Everything. I think there are very clear points of view and approaches to, to governing in that.
1: Well, I don't want to make you look bad here, but anyway, <laughs> I'm teasing. All I was t- kind of highlighting was how, how comfortable the leaders of those entities are in alienating and how uncomfortable a practice leader is at times and i think that that's part of the problem why firms end up with not distinct points of view is that they're they're not okay alienating and i think you have to a little bit if you're going to have a strong point of view you have to recognize that some of the things that you believe philosophically as a firm about how it is you do what you do is just not going to align with certain clients and that's okay and you mm-hmm. just have to say, it's going to be that way. And that's that's all right. I like that as the essence of what a strong point of view is. That's all.
0: Yes,
2: I agree with you on how you restated your wrong premise, though. So we, we can build. Right.
1: <laughs> okay, so we've described what a point of view does, right? It sort of attracts clients, it repels clients. We like to say it's the minority of things you disagree on, because maybe maybe the difference between politics and, and Firm marketing would be that your firm, the firm next to yours, the next the firm next to it, you're gonna be more often philosophically aligned along a lot of things than you are not. But there's gonna be, you know, a handful of things where you're you really see the world differently. And that's where you find a compelling point of view. Mm-hmm. So are we done? That's all I am. <laughs> you know,
2: it it took me a while to learn this in my career as a marketer in professional services, but contrary to what we just talked about about not alienating somebody with our point of view is the fact that prospects and clients pay us for our point of view. They bring us in to hear our point of view. They want to know how and why we think a certain way about addressing our area of expertise or issues that they're facing. They pay us because we're experts and we bring a critical perspective and we say, this is how we think and why we think this way. So to go out without a point of view th- does not give the market what it's demanding from you. So to those yeah. people in the professional services, that says, I don't want to alienate anybody. I don't want to drive away any business. You are driving away the business by not articulating
1: and sharing a point of view. That's a great statement. We should underline it and bold it. Mm -hmm. The the damage you're doing by not having a point of view is bigger than the the damage you're doing by having one. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) If, If you view it as damage, I guess, but of course it's not. It's a really compelling point. But that's just my point of view. Well, when we first started digging into this notion of points of view, like a lot of folks out there, we kind of came out of the Simon Sinek TED Talk. And he's got those three concentric circles and he's got why in the middle and he's got how after that and and what on the outside. So I think that's the order he has them. But the the way he frames it, which is is, is really good, is just this notion that most, and we align this to firm marketing. A lot of firms will talk about what they do and who they do it for and that's interesting but it's not really all that memorable or unique or even retainable and you know a great firm talks about why they do what they do and so to us point of view sort of lives in that why zone a little bit that more philosophical zone the stuff that's going to get people to remember and really retain and 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 be drawn in and so to your point that's why you put energy into creating a point of view is because it's your way to really attract people into your your firm, which we've, you know, we actually have spent a lot of energy talking about the risk of repelling, but maybe we should talk about, as you just did, really the importance of attraction, you know, and and how really compelling it is to bring someone in that's philosophically aligned, you know, bring a client in that's philosophically aligned with your firm and how that's just going to really deepen the client relationship when it evolves.
2: Yes. You used a term that I would not use in describing the work of a point of view. You and this is nuance. We, you and I operate in the nuance area a lot. I know, but you said why it's important for a firm to create a point of view.
1: Mm, Yeah.
2: And in my experience, you never have to create a point of view. What you have to do as a marketer and as a business developer or, or just a firm in general is to articulate your point of view because the point of view is already there. It may need some refinement, but it already exists. At least in my experience, that's true. What the challenge is to strip away everything else that may have been piled on top of it, akin to what we just said of accommodation type of language and qualifying so as not to alienate anybody.
1: Yeah, I mean, given that this is our anniversary episode, I'll take the moment to say you're right. I made a mistake. (laughs) So the first time in a year you've been right about anything. So Mm -hmm. I want to give you credit for that. Thank you. No, you're absolutely right. We've always like to use the language, which I did not use before. You're really mining for the point of view. At least that's how we look at it as marketers is to your point. You're trying to strip back the stuff that's got in the way and figure out really what is a, a compelling central point of view that already exists and how do you frame it and tell it in a way that's compelling. compelling twice. That doesn't work in a way that's understandable, valuable to the audience, those types of things. So yeah, no, you're, you're, you're entirely right. You want to talk about how to do that? The notion of mining, like how you mine for point of view?
2: Sure. You want me to share my thoughts on that? Hey, Jeff, I just served that up for you. (laughs) (laughs) There's a fundamental and philosophical question associated with how you go about doing this. We touched on this a little bit in our prep, and it's a chicken or egg thing in my mind. But how you develop a point of view really is driven by how you see its purpose. And does a point of view reinforce your brand's positioning so that the positioning already exists and you need to substantiate it? Or Does your point of view drive your positioning? And firms address that differently. Most firms probably think in terms of some kind of positioning, whether that's horizontal or vertical types of positioning. I would argue that positioning could be purely worldview, point of view, if you will. So in terms of of building it out, I think you have to start there
0: you're listening to rattle and pedal divergent thoughts on growing your professional services firm your hosts are jason malicki principal of rattleback the marketing agency for professional services firms and jeff mckay former cmo and founder of strategy consultancy prudent pedal if you find this podcast helpful please help us by telling a friend and rating us on itunes thank you now back to jason and jeff
1: yeah, I mean, I, I agree with some of that. The idea we've talked about this before, the idea that you could position a firm entirely around philosophy, I'm not going to say it's impossible. I would call it rarefied error. Ideo comes to mind, a firm that sort of you know got its roots in product design and transcended that into a world that's that where they're they're just known for their philosophy on innovation. And my sense is the idea that you don't have to make a horizontal or vertical decision around positioning. You can exist at the philosophical level with a point of view that's going to be so sharp that it transcends the way they've done is probably unrealistic for most firms. Our experience also tends to be that if you're going to try to develop a point of view really out of thin air, which is what you'd be doing if you don't have any horizontal or vertical orientation on positioning that the likelihood that that point of view is going to be compelling is fairly low because ultimately again you're 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 sort of positioning to the world philosophically and that's pretty hard to do when you think about just the, the scale of the world and the scale of the economy. So we tend to believe I guess that points of view are more powerful when they when you start from a place of positioning and then and then look at it as a way to separate rather than the other way around. Now, the interesting point to that is I would argue in terms of how it's consumed by the client, it's consumed the exact opposite way. So it's consumed first at the point of view level, second at the positioning level. So there's an inverse relationship between how I would, re- would recommend thinking about developing or mining for your point of view and how it's consumed.
2: Thank you for explaining that way because you made my thinking on it crystal clear. Still wrong? You're, you're no. thinking still wrong? I believe point of view comes first then positioning particularly for smaller younger firms because the point of view the world view the entrepreneurial drive behind a founder probably does more to shape you know the positioning and the culture of the firm more than anything else as a firm matures and you kind of establish a positioning the challenge is deciding which way to go but i definitely think point of view precedes Positioning, or there'd be an incongruence if you were to to go the other direction, particularly culturally.
1: I can see that from the entrepreneurial venture, right? You know that the firm has never existed, and hence, you know, a brand new firm tends to have no positioning at all. You're, you're just trying to to get deals won. So yes, you're you're sort of you're starting with nothing. So your so your philosophy is the most important thing you have is is a different way of looking at the world. So I could I could see that. And I guess I, I'm saying I could, I could agree with what you just said. For you and I, more frequently, we're dealing with a firm that's come out of that entrepreneurial stage, right? And now they're at some level of scale, and now they're questioning all those decisions, right? And they're thinking about, well, wait a minute, we're, we're doing this type of work for these types of clients. Do we want to keep doing that type of work for those types of clients? Do we want to operate differently? Where do we go from here? You know, they've left the entrepreneurial stage and now they're looking at well wait a minute maybe we've we've too diverse or or we're not we've lost the edge on whatever our philosophy was and it's out of touch or, or whatever so interesting i guess my my comment would be that my sense is what comes first depends right it depends on the firm and where they are in their life cycle
2: the thing that's important to listeners as you and i kind of wrestle through this is you have to understand your starting point are you building from a point of view? Are you starting from some solidified positioning? Just know where you're starting from. And that's going to dictate really the question you had asked me is how do you do this? The first step is understanding from where you're starting, Yeah, I guess, (laughs) a long way of getting to where we just got to. So I think that's, that's critical.
1: We wrote an article on this a while back actually Jason Sutton our, our account director did because he has done a fair amount of this work with our clients sort of mining for point of view with them. And what he did which I thought was interesting is he sort of he grouped it into four themes. He said there's really four themes to a compelling point of view. And a lot of times we'll use those themes as as exercises with clients to help them mine for what they believe. And he grouped those into in those themes into, into kind of four buckets, you know, the idea that there's there's this kind of theme around forecasting. So it's it's you know mining for what you think is happening in the marketplace and where the marketplace is heading. There's a theme around today's trends. So it's it's mining for what's happening today and what you see as maybe wrong with what's happening today. There's a theme around delivery. So how you do what you should do and the way you think clients should do the things that you do for them or the way they're getting those things wrong. And there's a theme around purpose, which is sort of about why a firm exists, what it cares about, what it believes, it's, you know, relationship to the broader social landscape, if you will. And usually we'll, we'll start from those four themes. This is how we do it. Right? We'll start from the, one of those four themes and we'll build exercises around those themes just to get the practice leaders and partners or whoever engaged in a dialogue and try to pull out of them what their true beliefs are that, to your point, have been kind of lost somewhere. Whether or not Exposed publicly through marketing for anyone to consume. And I'm sure there's more than that, right? I'm sure there's, you know, you could probably come up with tons of themes, but that's, those are just four starting places that we've found are good ways to dive into a, a discussion. It's really an empty whiteboard, really, at the end of the day, right? I mean, you can, to your point, you can believe anything you want to believe. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's another podcast. <laughs> I like those four. As I I think about those I would say that those four kind of align with buying levels. Hmm. Your first one, you're kind of forecasting kind of the futurists would be geared towards a sea C-level mindset. So if you're talking sea levels yeah. that would be the type of point of view you would want. The delivery, no, you said the trends. Trends is kind of no. more, you know, mid-level types of people trying to have a a longer term perspective on things. And then the how-to is very much, I think, a a doer type of mindset. How do I get this done in my day job? You're not thinking about your last one, the philosophical dimensions of it. You just got to produce a result. But I like the way you think about those.
1: I really like what you just learned on top of that, because I can honestly say I had never thought about it in that context prior and it's a really smart way of looking at it, because then it ties back to, like you said, who, who's the client, well, as you always say, all well, comes back to the client, right? Who is the client we're trying to connect with? And that's both an organization and an individual. And you narrow it in on the individual. And really, the, the the point of view is probably first and foremost about attracting the individual inside of the client organization you want more than anything, which is contrary to positioning, where positioning oftentimes is more focused on... Organizations. What types of organizations are we trying to do business with for mm-hmm. what services? So it's a really thoughtful yeah. answer. And then your fourth one, we call it the purpose. So you know yeah, why the firm back. exists. What it, yeah, cares it goes about. back
2: to our our earlier point about the pure philosophical view of the world, the rarefied air that you described. You you mentioned Simon Sinek. He he's in that. I would think because he doesn't have any horizontal or vertical positioning. It was <laughs> he built it all around. The why, yeah, you know, Seth Godin would be another one of those. Whether that's permission marketing or just you know being the the id of of the marketing mind, yeah, that's good. Look at that. That's why we did it to 364 days in. That's why we're doing this. What a tag team.
1: <laughs> and I hate to say it, but I do think we have to make it a wrap. We have to we have to say goodbye to the anniversary episode. And look forward to the first episode of the next era of Rattle and Pedal, which will be next time. And my sense is, and we can change our mind on this. So, but my sense is maybe the next logical place for us to go is to talk about the models and frameworks that sort of wrap around the point of view from a brand perspective and sort of how point of view fits into the greater effort from the branding for the brand strategy of a firm or a practice.
2: I'd encourage our listeners. If you have the time, go out to Rattleback and look up this post that Jason did on differentiation and a compelling point of view, because there's some really good thinking in that that we didn't get to that is worthwhile, particularly about how you can tell if you have an effective point of view. I think you'd find it really useful.
1: All right. Well, thanks, Jeff.
0: Look forward to talking uh, next time. See you, buddy.